0: The Other Side podcast mission is to discuss important cultural and social issues relating to race, culture, gender and equality hello thanks again for joining us for another episode of the other side podcast i'm scott kirk here with lucas sullivan and today joining us in studio is dr pranav johnny who is a faculty member in the english department at ohio state university and he is also a supporter of the columbus freedom coalition which had two of its members arrested during this year's martin luther king day breakfast and dr johnny wrote a open letter to the mayor in response thank you for coming well thanks very much for having me good morning morning.
1: This is going to be a kind of live wire discussion this morning, but one I know that Scott and I are looking forward to in terms of we're, we're talking about acceptance and race and mm-hmm. speaking up, I know you feel like speaking up for those who aren't often spoken for. Mm-hmm. To be honest, that's kind of the mission of this of this podcast is to give a voice to those who feel like they don't often get a voice. Mm-hmm. I know in, in Scott Reddit, you're a supporter of the Columbus Freedom Coalition. But for our listeners, this is a group that for some of them maybe is just popping up on their radar. Right. Because it's been in the news lately, and not only did it protest that it had protesters at the MLK breakfast, but members also showed up at the mayor's state of the city address mm-hmm. and caused the stir too. so much so that the mayor has said publicly, you know, to kind of maybe squash media attention and mm-hmm. also maybe just to sit down with folks. He wants to says he wants to meet with them and work okay. out try to work out whatever your issues are. But the reason that that we reached out to you was you felt compelled to write this letter to Mm -hmm. the mayor, this open letter to the mayor after the arrest. Mm -hmm. And why did you do that? There's a number
2: of reasons why I did that. The first is I've been an activist for a long time. I was there as part of a choir, right? I hadn't bought the $50 ticket
1: to be there. So you were performing that day?
2: I was performing. We were out in the corner and I was frozen. I saw what started happening and I was frozen and I'll just say quickly in response to your question, I wrote because I felt like I had to bear witness to what I saw and to actually do something with the fact that I was there because I couldn't do anything in the moment.
1: Yeah, and the overall point of your letter was to highlight some of the, maybe the hypocrisy of, of arresting protesters at a MLK breakfast, but also you, want, you wanted the city to drop the charges against the protesters. That, those were the main points of your letter. Those right? were the main points, and, and, and I'm happy to describe you know what I saw and all that, sure. but,
2: but just to go to that, what I focused on on the letter was drop the charges. It's hypocritical to celebrate Martin Luther King Jr., to have images of him, his mugshots as a prisoner to talk about how fantastic those actions were of direct action of nonviolent resistance etc to bring change and then when people on behalf of a black boy who's been killed Julius Tate Jr who's been killed by the police when people on behalf of them nonviolently protest to then arrest them drag them out And silence them that to me seemed to be the the height of hypocrisy so the focus my focus wasn't on we may disagree on the question of Julius Tate jr we may disagree on questions of systematic racism and police brutality we may disagree on all those things but at the very least if we agree that there's something valuable to celebrate about Martin Luther King jr then let's read what he says let's think about what he says and not do a kind of a sham celebration that whitewashes literally and makes him kind of palatable to the current moment mm. but but actually um, go by the spirit of, of what he talked about and so a lot of people have come back to me to say, well, legally it was okay to protest you know to arrest them, and you know this and that, and i'm like, this is not just about what's legal, this is about what's moral this is about taking a political perspective i 'm like What exactly were they doing that was so threatening to the status quo? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And couldn't we think about, we all know that just because someone does something doesn't mean they're automatically arrested. It doesn't mean that they're automatically charged. There's some leeway that the powers that be have. And so that was just an appeal. Even if we disagree on everything else, drop the charges, take this up in a different way.
0: So I'm assuming you're in a choir, you're singing. Can you hear them chanting or whatever they were doing I, I was could you see what was going on we were in a
2: difficult position um, we were out in the corner where we couldn't even see that Ginther was speaking okay. so, so I heard after in the news that Ginther was speaking which is the right time for them to do the protest when Ginther is speaking right okay. so I found out that after I just saw pretty far away 2,000 people convention center that protesters have come They started chanting justice for Julius, which is a a chant I'm familiar with because I know about the case. And I knew from my experience as an activist that something is going to happen here. Either they stop chanting or the police are going to come. I thought about getting up. I thought about the risk to myself as a person of color, as police are marching through. What am I going to do individually? You thought about getting up to join the protesters? To bear witness, to get a video camera out, you know, get my phone out. Just to, to just kind of
0: document what was... Be there. Okay.
2: Yeah. And what was, uh, Scott Woods wrote about this in the article, what was stunning about that event is that we always see people, even if they haven't been able to do anything or participate in anything, they document it right from the ground. They say, I'm at Martin Luther King Day event and look what's happening, tweet, hashtag, whatnot. And as far as I know, that kind of thing hasn't happened either. And so I guess, and, and I'm telling you, I'm an activist with a lot of experience in these kinds of things. And I was frozen because I I felt isolated.
1: Yeah, you, you bring up a good point because you can tell what a, I guess, from a media standpoint, we can tell when a protest is staged or highly organized. This seemed to be a little bit more organic in terms of it was basically two people that got arrested that day. But there wasn't a huge documentation film crew with them there. It it, it seemed to be oh, okay. it seemed to be just your just your old fashioned. We we want to stand up and have a moment with the mayor mm-hmm. that we're not going to get otherwise. Mm-hmm. And this isn't some staged trying to get some hits on Twitter, some likes on Instagram. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, I don't I'm kind of deliberately not wanting to. First of all, I, I'm not speaking for the coalition, and sure. um, I also don't want to get into their planning and intentions and all that, partly because I don't know and partly because the case is ongoing, Sure. and I don't want to do anything to harm that. Um, but I guess what I will say is what I was talking about specifically, on the narrower point, they bought tickets to be in that event. So I'm sure the $50 price tag had a lot to do with there being only two people, Mm-hmm. Um I think the second thing is when I said there weren't those videos and all that, I'm talking about the audience. Sure. And I know by being there that when there was a speaker who spoke out against police brutality, there were people who clapped and cheered and stood up. And so I know for a fact that not all of the 2,000 were in agreement with the arrest. And nevertheless, there was a certain kind of silence, you know, that... um, made you ask questions as to why, and I think that's partly why I felt isolated. I felt like if I run out there, number one, I might be in danger of being arrested, and number two, are people gonna join me in something? So ideally, what should have happened in my mind Mm -hmm. at an MLK Day event is that enough of the people who feel like this arrest is wrong would actually make that herd right there, spontaneously get up and say, you know, suppose in hindsight I'm like, Should I have started a chant, let them go, let them go, even from where I was sitting? And maybe that would have caught on and done something. I think those of us who were in the audience who thought that what was happening was wrong, I wish we had been able to actually spontaneously stand up for the protesters and say, this is not right, and let this not happen at this moment, right, when we're celebrating Martin Luther King, who
0: talked about passive I mean, not passive, nothing passive about it, but nonviolent direct action. I'm glad you mentioned that because in your letter that you wrote to the mayor, you you called the arrest a fundamental contradiction to the words and the life Mm -hmm. of Dr. Martin Luther King. Can you explain a little more what you meant? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. In a
2: letter from a Birmingham jail, and I'm not going to the speeches and writings that people don't talk about. There's lots of speeches and writings of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a letter from a Birmingham jail. That's why I focused on that one. Everybody talks about it. Everyone teaches it. I think it crystallizes his ideas, of defending the right of protesters to disrupt the peace when an injustice is going on, and then saying very clearly, he makes a dis- he makes a, a, a distinction between order and justice. So he says. So I'm not quoting directly, but just the feeling of it. Do we stand for? Order, but injustice is going on. It's peaceful because the contradictions are hidden under the surface. Or do we stand for breaking that order if necessary, disrupting that order if necessary, in order to speak for justice? So I see that as the core element of that letter from a Birmingham jail and of his whole philosophy of nonviolent direct action, which is that power has to be confronted. Laws are not always made on behalf of the people. So he talks in that essay, there's just laws and there's unjust laws. Unjust laws, we have a moral obligation to break them. You know, that kind of thing. So that's what I mean by, this. That's what I mean by contradicting the spirit of Martin Luther King. Like, do we actually see it as a moral duty to stand up against and confront unjust laws? Or do we say, that's the law, I'm going to back, back off from it. Right. And I think the protesters, that's what I meant, that they were enacting the spirit of Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. And those who called the police and those who supported that, and even those who clapped while they were being dragged away, were kind of saying order and decorum is more important than anything you're talking about. That's what I meant.
1: Is a celebration and an honoring of Dr. King a place for that, a place for what you're talking about?
2: I think it's the perfect place for it. I think it's the perfect place. You know, we talk about the voice of the voiceless, right? But even among the voiceless, <laughs> there's people with more privilege and people with, with a lot less, right? And and when we talk about you know Julius Tate Jr. and his family, we're not talking about people who are going to show up at a $50 a plate uh, luncheon, right? So that event was structured... I'm I'm not putting down anyone who went there maybe people saved up $50 to go there because they were so happy to celebrate Martin Luther King Day and for once the city is celebrating one of ours and putting time and effort in. So I'm not, this is not about pointing fingers at, you know oh you spent $50 to go, that's not what I mean but I mean like it attracts a certain crowd I have a student of mine who heard that I was going to sing there. He just told me yesterday, black student He showed up because it says, all are welcome, and he showed up, and when he saw it was $50, he left, right? Because he didn't want to, he didn't have $50 to give for that. And so what what I'm trying to say is, I think it's a perfect event for it because it brings in the voice of the voiceless, those who are not being represented there, um, to say, if we care about Martin Luther King Jr., then what about the perpetual racism as represented by the criminal justice system, right, and other structural things like that. What about that, right? Are we asking questions about that? What does it mean that Rob Portman, right, can call in and say, I celebrate Martin Luther King Jr.? What what does it mean that people who repeatedly don't pay attention to the issues of black people and people of color in the city, on Martin Luther King Day, they get up, Rosa Parks, they get up and celebrate them, But they don't actually read them. They don't actually. You think they're being disingenuous? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I I think Martin Luther King, I'm very happy that we celebrate Martin Luther King Day. I'm very happy that every last racist has to get up and say, you know, I'm happy about that. At the same time, it gives them a cover, right, to kind of symbolize one thing and to do other things at the same time. And I think that's a problem.
1: Back to your the moment where you saw the protesters getting let out in handcuffs. I thought our photographer captured a, a very powerful image of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I know it resonated with a lot of our readers, but you seem to have you seem to be conflicted in how you how you handled that moment after the fact. It seems like maybe you did a little bit of uh, self exploration and maybe thought I should have I should have been down there at least documenting it. And I'm wondering why you thought that instead of... It seems like you're almost mad at yourself for that you just stood there.
2: Oh, so that's coming out, is it? I
1: mean, you know, here's what somebody told me.
2: Because it's important for me and for, I think, anyone else to kind of get over ourselves too. (laughs) So what somebody told me is that happened and then the next thing happened, right? That happened and that's in the past. And now it's a question of what you do. So I definitely see what i did with the article and all of that and even this interview as trying to say well now what now what do i do with the fact that i was there But i'm not going to be too hard on myself either it made me think about what's my responsibility when things like that it doesn't matter that i have years of experience as an activist it doesn't matter in that moment things happen all the time things happen on the street things happen in unexpected ways so when something is planned and organized it's one kind of thing i led the um, you know, I was one of the leaders of the um, Columbus Airport occupation against the Muslim ban, right? And, you know, we did what we had to do there, and it was, a, it was one of the best things I've been involved with in my life. You know, a thousand people came out. We took on a bunch of issues, got into the airport, had three or four hours of protest there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's one thing when you plan it out and you have everything thought through, but these spontaneous things happen all the time. So in that moment, I think we have to either in the moment or after the fact, actually do something with that and stand up and be heard. Because we can actually push, you know, we can't leave it just to the protesters. You know, the people at large can look at something and say, Hey, we're gonna write to the mayor too. You know, we're gonna on our own. we weren't there. But we think that this was really a blot on if nothing else, a blot on the city that at Martin Luther King Day two nonviolent protesters were arrested and dragged away i don't know if you
0: were seeking or expecting a response from the mayor from your letter but just have you gotten a direct response no. from him by any chance no i haven't oh, but my.
1: he but he came out after the state of the city and said he wants to sit down and have a discussion with members of the coalition okay. i mean you have you have to feel like you have a little bit of part in that right
2: if i if i did then good (laughs) um the the story's gotten it's been read a lot i think it Mm -hmm. has has like over three thousand hits and it might not be that much but for me it's probably the most widely read thing i've written so if that helped in the process then then i'm glad but i also know that it's so hard to say directly here's what you did and here's what worked you know uh, sometimes it's random you know
1: so where does this activist bent come from for you? Or have you been subject to racism throughout your life um, growing up in New Jersey and even in the 15 years you've gotten here? Yeah. Yeah. There's there's you know, there's a number of things that that happen. Um, what was the spark for you? Like what was it, what, What are some of the things that have happened to you that caught that make you mm-hmm. go to the airport in protest or, mm-hmm. you know, write an open letter? Like, well, what's what's happened to you? I mean, I mean, for me, you know, sometime I get asked that question from the position
2: of like, like what's wrong with you, but I know okay. you're not saying, I'm that. not asking you what's <laughs> know, wrong, but
1: like, what's, what happened to you, what, 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 uh, what, what, got, no, no, got, what got, what got infused got, into your I, I, DNA well, that, got, that made you, that, that made yeah, you yeah. want to do this kind of stuff?
2: <laughs> First of all, like for me growing up, right. Even in, so my parents are from India and in Indian households, even if they're not political, Everyone, you know, there's this general like celebration of Gandhi. There's a celebration of the anti colonial struggle. And there's an understanding that the richest countries in the world became that way because they colonized the poorest countries in the world. In fact, they became rich and made them poor in the process, right? So the British didn't go to India being like, let's go to a poor country and loot it. They went to a wealthy country, and after 200 years of colonization, it became poor, mm. right? And so you give me a list of poor countries, and I'll show you a list of colonized countries. So there's a very, even for people who are not political, there's this clear sense to say, damn the British, and you know, yes to our movement, we struggled for our freedom, right? We fought, we took jail, we took beatings, this and that, for our freedom. So that kind of thing was there. I also remember people in my family telling me from very early on, in this country, if you don't stand up and speak for yourself, um, they're going to roll over you. And so you just have to be out there and open about those things. I have relatives who say, I've been in this country 50 years, but when I open my mouth and because I have an accent, I'm seen as if I came yesterday mm. and I'm treated as if I came yesterday, right? so. So I would say even growing up, there was this sense of like, we're an, we're from an immigrant community, we're not white, and we have to kind of stake, you know, our ground and kind of hold our ground, right? And, and And keep our space. That said, the link to fighting anti-black racism, which is something specific, right? And because I'm not black, I don't experience that. People think I'm Muslim, so I get some of that flack. Some people yeah. think I'm... A woman from my name, so they they attack me that way. But leaving all that aside, linking up with kind of struggle against anti-black racism and all that—that that came from reading people like Martin Luther King Jr. Trying to understand that different people are impacted quite differently,
1: right? And to kind of see how you can build some links. Is it, have you have you noticed a difference in how you're treated in a place like Jersey versus Ohio? Or is it kind of the same?
2: It's, it's pretty interesting. I mean, sometimes in Ohio, you get like, sometimes you get the polite racism. You know what I mean?
1: Like, like the exotic.
2: You know, like, like, where are you from? And when I, get, when I say Jersey, some people get very disappointed because they want to hear about some kind of colorful other place, you know? Mm. Um, so sometimes you get that. Sometimes you get, you know, kind of direct racism. Like, like I said, anti-Muslim sentiment. Once um, after I spoke at a rally... Somebody put uh, my home address on, on, their, on the web uh, saying we should target this place and we should, you know, and said all this like anti Muslim stuff, you know, uh, through mm-hmm. that. So, like, there's that kind of stuff that's happened. That was
1: here time. in Ohio?
2: I was here in Ohio. In Jersey, what happens is on the one hand, there's a lot of diversity, right, in terms of racial and ethnic diversity. So people are used to that. So the highs are very high, right? Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of segregation as well. So here, here you don't always get a particular kind of anti-Indian racism. You know, it's just kind of general. Whereas in Jersey, like they know a bunch of Indians, and so there's a particular kind of anti-Indian racism that you get. You know, so the East Coast has its own, its own kind of variants of this kind of racism.
0: I'm curious what you think about activism and and protesting in today's time because obviously you're a student of Dr. King back in in his time the time of sit-ins and boycotts and and protesting and now today you got Twitter and mm-hmm. you've got you know you've got video mm-hmm. and, and all these other things where it's, it's maybe not as um, physical as on the ground as it mm-hmm. was in the 50s and the 60s do you think the old-school method of activism mm-hmm. was more effective yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And, you know, how activism has
2: changed because of changes in technology, you know, is really important. I mean, I, w- I would first of all just point to the fact that like in every phase of activism, um, there's new technologies that activists have used, right, to, to do their thing. So whether it's radio, telephone, things like that. So things that weren't available a hundred years ago, right, but were right. available 50 years ago. So, so I think, I, I think, Activists always use technology to further their cause. I think the problem is if those two things get completely divorced from one another. So if we look at Black Lives Matter, there was a hashtag so people could share, so people could participate in ways they never could before. But if you didn't have street protests, blockades, If you didn't have kind of the physical takeover of spaces, then it would be very, very different, you know? On the other hand, I don't want to minimize something like the Me Too movement that hasn't had on the ground activism of that kind, but um, although there's been a lot of feminist organizing that's happened on the ground, but not necessarily under the label Me Too. And Me Too's kind of had this massive impact. You know even though it's it hasn't had that so so i think there's a it's a I think there's a complicated set of combination i don't think it's like this is good this which is good, do up. do you
0: do you prefer activism that makes people uncomfortable because uh, i think that yeah, that could yeah, be part of yeah. why me too was as effective as it mm-hmm. was because it wasn't for a lot of people it wasn't right in their face mm-hmm. but do you think that do you prefer that style of activism
2: i think overall it has the not just the question of disruption, but the question of people coming together to organize and plan those things and think about how they're gonna take space on the ground. I think that has a more lasting impact um, because, and this is not to minimize me too, but it's just to say that when people participate in the many meetings and organizational questions and tactical questions, questions of even what slogan should we use, You know, this question of MLK Day, right? We have to imagine meetings that took place to decide where should we do this protest, right? That kind of democratic discussion making truly makes it grassroots and and can connect with, you know, anyone can walk into that space and participate in shaping what happens rather than kind of individually people taking on a cause. So I think it has kind of a deep and lasting effect and like connects with, you know, we always say the people, but I think it connects with the people in a, in a deeper way than if it's kind of individuals, you know, a shared. hashtag. mm or- mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. I think those systematic, you know, from the level of culture of like the fear of black men, the idea of black men as violent, dangerous, and up to something, right? Uh, guilty unless proven otherwise, right? I think that is something much deeper I think the the rates that we see of anything from incarceration to you know the stop and frisk, the Bloomberg. I mean, I don't even want to get, yeah, <laughs> we, want to get into it. <laughs> you know, it's such a big topic. But I guess what I'm saying is, like, I think those systemic things, even like infant mortality, right? Just on that level, like those systemic things are going to take some massive transformations to change, and. I, I think you probably agree that we wouldn't put the burden of the success or failure of a movement on whether they can change those things because those things are so big. Right. But I, but I do think that it's significant that in the time of Obama when people were saying now we're a colorblind nation and they were using Obama to push racism under the rug. Right black lives matter said actually some of this stuff is still going on even with Obama as president as people in Columbus did even when we had a black mayor they said police brutality is still going on right and so I think the significance of that in terms of saying which black people you know are you talking about who's who's getting that impact and how do we actually shape things on our own Um, I see that as impact as massive um, but there's a long there's a long way to go you know Um, But in any way, I I, I guess I kind of see it as like those movements are starting points.
1: I I wanted to kind of wrap this up where you began initially in terms of you kind of talked about, I think you used the word sham Mm -hmm. when talking about the MLK breakfast and Mm -hmm. white politicians kind of going there and and at least on one day a year Mm -hmm. at a breakfast pretending to care. Mm Mm-hmm. I've already heard from from um, some black leaders since the mayor has announced his equality initiative mm-hmm. in response to some of this stuff okay. um, uh, after the state of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so there is already some concern that this is another, I guess, to use that word, sham, that mm-hmm. here's, a, here's a mayor, a white mayor, who is trying to address some of these issues with an equality initiative. Mm-hmm. But that being said... What would be the one or two things I, I you've established you're not a black guy, but for someone who is a person of color what would you, what would you like to see at the top of the list of an equality initiative that comes out of a mayor's office?
2: I appreciate the question, but it's it's so so difficult to answer right um I mean, what should we put at the top of the list you know should we should we put um the end of school systems in which your, uh, your taxes and your finances determine the quality of the public school that you go to. You know, that would make a big impact on, right? So that wealthier communities get better public schools and, and poor communities, that would have a big impact on race, you know, um, a permanent ban on you know, the city working at all with ICE to deport undocumented immigrants you know saying that people who live here and work here you know aren't aren't stealing things they're just trying to do something for their family right and and a kind of affirm like we're going to actually you know fully protect them even when the, I feel like we're so far from things like that you know, like even when there's a discussion of who should be the police chief and I usually kind of where I'm coming from politically I don't really invest in the question of which police chief should head up the kind of surveillance and attack on people of color. Like, I usually don't get into that debate. But the black community did make it known that they preferred a particular police chief. But even those kinds of things aren't heard, right? So I just feel like we're so far from from where we need to be that even participating in such things feels like you're just giving an opening for people to co-opt it. You know, for the powers that be to again make themselves look good, like they're taking on. And the that's issues.
1: where you would say is the sham part of it comes in, right? That like, it's just making it look like they they care enough to have a discussion. Like you have to you have to actually want the discussion and and let it be open
2: enough for people to actually say what they think freely, right? Uh, a lot of these forums they're so tightly organized, right? There's so little there, time. There, there is a certain censorship, to yeah. That there's so little time to actually say what you think right there's people don't even have the time to go out to those forums cuz they're they're cooking they're working they're taking care of their kids this and that so like we don't actually even have the mechanisms to actually get to people and say what do you really want to see that would be transformative change for you that a lot of these forums feel like you know and nevertheless like I'll just go to myself on the university level the university talks a lot about diversity right and there's so little that's done Nevertheless, you participate thinking maybe something good will happen. So I guess what I'm saying is like going to the, the larger point, like that insider strategy, like everyone seems to have a problem with sort of outsider strategies in which you disrupt, you challenge, you make the case boldly, right, a- against police brutality and, and, and the killing of, of, of young black kids. But then the insider strategy doesn't seem to deliver either. Right, right, um, and 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 the 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 difficulties of that are are immense. Right.
0: So, all right. Well, we want to thank Dr. Yes, Johnny absolutely. for coming in. I, thank you so it's much. It's been a great discussion. Absolutely. Um, keep us updated if you hear from the mayor. Okay. Keep us updated okay. if, by any chance, you get invited to the meeting.
1: Right. Know, <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe.
0: Right, right. Right. Um. But yeah, thank you so much for coming in. We really appreciate it. Thanks. I Next time we can talk
1: it. about what the media can do a better job of of help. You know of. Covering race and yeah, racism,
2: and and the the one thing I we don't we don't often get to that point, but we do not. We,
1: w- w- the media has a role in it as well, right?
2: If there's anything I I'll just add this if it can, like if there's one thing that I want to make sure is that you know the names of people like Julius Tate Jr., like Henry Green, Tyree King, so many of these kids and young men. It's not only men, but those are the three that I that came to mind right away. mom may sneak Saunders. You know, anything we can do to make sure it's not just about the protests, not just about the people talking about the protests, but the, the people who've been directly victimized. You know, if this helped with that, then I'm glad fair
0: enough well for everybody else out there thanks again for tuning in don't forget we love to hear from our listeners so check us out on our facebook page at facebook slash group slash other side podcast and you can also hit us up on twitter at other side underscore pod so um until the next time try to see things from the other side thanks